Snap! Welcome back, Wildcats to Wildcat Radio, your home for the friggin' stomp of Oregon, the champions of the world, the Arizona football team. And this is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. We're excited, man. This is like this is a big this is a big deal. Um, we've been down on this team for a while, and they showed up and just clown punched Oregon. And in order to to talk about this game, we had to do another menage a trois, where it is myself, Mister Rick Powell. What's up, Rick? We went to dirtbags. We did go to dirtbags. That that <laughs> happened. <laughs> we were there for a while. You went twice, right? I'm ashamed to say yes. <laughs> it's a part of growing up, Rick. It's a part of growing <laughs> up. <laughs> um, we will talk about our experience. We went down there with Josh. Uh, thanks to uh, th- thanks to the team, man. That was that was such a fun time. And Rob Rob uh, Bowron wasn't there, but in spirit he was. And uh, mathematically, he was there too. What's going on, Ralph? <laughs> oh, I am. I am excited to be here. This was a a really un- unbelievable game for Arizona's defense, and uh, really kudos to to Marcel Yates. Like I, I tip my hat to you, sir. Yeah, and and I <laughs> I was I was dishing out some hot takes. I still have them. I'm just not going to dish them out as much on Yates. Um, Rick, let's talk about this from our perspective a little bit later um, because we were there and it was such a funky game. It was one of those games where we we missed the first score and all of a sudden we're up 24. And I'm just going like, how how did that happen? And it wasn't because we had a ton of adult beverages. It was just more of a it's just like it was just a punch in the face in a good way. So, Rob, let's throw it to you first. Um what what did you see in this game? Uh, because being there live, it was it was just a it was probably the weirdest uh, Arizona game I've been to in person. So I want to see somebody that had like a a neutral experience. <laughs> I, would, I would say the things that stood out were one Arizona, like I just alluded to, Arizona's defensive performance. Um, you know, Arizona really put their throat on put their foot on the throat of Oregon, but it wasn't it wasn't a great offensive performance. And I know I'm saying that like Arizona did put up quite a few points, but um Arizona had phenomenal field position in this game. Uh so you would expect them to put up some good points. And and really in the first half, I mean I think everyone and including me on Twitter kept saying, you know, like you need touchdowns, not field goals. Like we should be up by a lot more given how poorly Oregon was playing. Um but I mean the turnovers. Uh, I mean doomed Oregon, and just they're just awful, awful offensive play. And Arizona's defense had had something to do with that. I mean this young defense um, is you know they're they're they've looked pretty good in this game. Like they confused Justin Herbert quite a bit. There was some t- there was a moment in the second half where I, I really did tweet out that I wasn't sure that Justin Herbert could read zone because he threw a ball. <laughs> almost right to an Arizona safety that he apparently didn't see just sitting there right in the zone. Um, so uh, you haven't, this isn't something that we've seen. We've not seen Arizona's defense be the one to make adjustments to confuse a quarterback. And, you know, they came out and made the adjustments to confuse a quarterback that if he left might be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. He looked bad, like real, real bad. I'm just going, what on earth? And, and credit to Yates for confusing him because that is, that was part of the problem. Rick, let's, let's get, let's get your sleazy takes on this. What were the biggest things that stood out for you in our monumentous, monumentous, <laughs> that's not a word, victory over Oregon? Um, I think Rob pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, the impression that I was getting was that uh, our defense was just causing all kinds of problems for this Oregon offense, um, you know, up in the stands, 45 rows up, it definitely looked like um, the Arizona defensive line was doing a much better job of putting pressure on Herbert and making him make quick decisions. And it seemed like for whatever reason, Herbert uh, was taking a little bit longer to, to run through his reads um, and his wide receivers definitely didn't do him any favors. Uh, you know, that 50% completion percentage really helped uh, the Arizona defense to put the offense in a position to win. And then uh, I just remember JJ Taylor running all over the place, to be honest, every time I looked up, it was JJ Taylor for another seven yard run. Um, you know, 200 total yards of offense from him, that 64 yard burst. Um, you know, and I, I think the third quarter really kind of helped put things away. So um, 
it was a fun game to be at. I was able to buy my first legal beer in Arizona Stadium. That was pretty cool. Um, and it was good times with good friends, man. Yeah, 40, 45 rows up. You know, it was hard to see the game over the caviar and bottles of champagne in our luxury box, but uh, a good time was had by all. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I thought was interesting in this game, and look, it's it, I don't want to complain. We were like 40 whatever points, but the, I mean, J, the one, well, let me start with the thing I was impressed with, and that was what you said, Rob, the fact that J.J. Taylor. Uh, rocked more than 200 yards and two touchdowns. I thought that this front seven of Oregon was going to shut down the run game. Rob, we had talked in the last podcast about the fact that Oregon likely wouldn't pressure uh, Tate and or Rodriguez as much. They hadn't historically done that this season. But I did think that that those that front seven and those linebackers who were quite nasty were going to bottle up the run game. Um, did you see anything that I mean, besides Taylor being really good, like, was he doing anything? Was there any schematic stuff that you saw that put him in a position to uh, just drop a 200 burger on him? <laughs> well, you and I disagreed about Oregon's defense. So, oh, um, oh yeah, don't, don't worry. Don't, I erased <laughs> that on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, regardless of how much individual talent and schematic advantage from Jim Levitt, that they were just playing poorly this year. Um, and they really showed out poorly in this game, uh, I think, yet again. But uh, I do think Arizona's offensive line had a very good game. Um, they continue to run well to the outside. I think Arizona's wide receivers are excellent at downfield blocking. And I think that's a holdover from some of the stuff they learned under Rich Rodriguez, where they always had to block downfield. Um, and Arizona's, I mean, again, this is there's there's not a lot of depth. The, you know the line's been shaky at times, but they had a real good game here. And, and Taylor saw his saw his holes and was a patient runner uh, in this game. So he was, I mean, he was just terrific uh, in the game. And like I said, like kudos to the line uh, as well and the, all the downfield blockers. So let's let's get a little nitpicky here. Let's get a little nitpicky here. I I was still not that impressed with Tate. I forget who I got into it with uh, on Twitter. Basically, I was saying that like, look. Red Rodriguez probably could be doing the same thing that Tate's doing with his offense right now. Um, Rick, do you agree with that assessment? Because I'm wrong early and often, and I'm more than willing to admit it. But it just didn't seem like – I think he ran the ball four times the entire game. Um, he hit some passes. I mean, the stats look good, right? Three touchdowns, only one pick. That pick was really bad, the one they threw. But um, it just seemed that this wasn't – this wasn't Tate's back. This offense is good again. It seemed like this was more of a the defense showed up. Um, we got we got good field position and and we were able to to not make as many mistakes uh, to embarrass ourselves and and the fact that we were able to score over and over and over again helps too on the ground. Um, I, I I don't know if I agree with your assessment that we could have thrown Rhett Rodriguez behind center here and won this game 44 to 15 um, by any stretch of means. I mean, you know, a lot of this game boiled down to Oregon playing poorly, like we've stated Um, And Khalil Tate, I thought commanded the offense really well. He did a great job of getting his receivers involved. One of the biggest things we harped on from earlier this season was how Khalil Tate was failing to get Shun Brown involved in the offense. I mean, Shun Brown had 10 receptions for 96 yards in this game. So maybe sitting out that one week kind of helped everybody get more onto the same page. And if this offense can click, uh, you know, like it has been the last two weeks and this defense continues to improve. I mean, if everybody's buying into Kevin Sumlin's offense and defense now at this point, we're only two games away from bowl eligibility, and I think that that's a, a major goal and one that we can accomplish this year with this team. What do you think, Rob, in, in regards to Tate's performance last week? Or the, last week, yesterday? <laughs> that's crazy. That's, uh... <laughs> uh, I thought he was terrible in the first half. I mean, I'll say it. Like, I thought he was bad. Like, his his throwing those deep balls yet again. I mean, just again and again and again. Um, and I, I got somebody went back and like retroactively tweeted at me that, um, you know, it's not his fault. It's Mazzoni making the call. And like Mazzoni, like those calls weren't like four verts. 
Like, <laughs> like he ha- he has the option to not throw a deep ball um, on on those plays. Uh, he just he was choosing to throw deep when he went when he settled down and went away from it. Um, they were better, but I mean Arizona's offense, like all those field goals in the first half, and that they really should have turned into touchdowns. Um, I think a lot of that was on Tate and some of the inefficiency. Like, but in the second half. He settled down. He took what the defense was giving him more. He was a more polished passer. We didn't see a lot of the the sort of like throwing the deep ball, um, which is good because I think last year we, we had the impression that I think Tate throws this amazing deep ball. Like, man, like Tate, let's be honest, like he overthrows a lot. <laughs> of those deep passes like it's not as good as and it maybe maybe it's good he takes a break like um he needs to focus on getting his completion percentage up and running the offense so uh i was with you uh up until the really he came out of halftime and played better and I, in the second half i think he played better than we could have expected right rod to that's fair and even if he doesn't run the ball and i don't see him doing it next game maybe a couple games from now it was interesting he came out in a boot so I tweeted that out right away. I'm like, oh, Tate's in the boot, y'all. Uh, and he certainly is is not using his legs still. But, I mean, if he's healthy enough, and by healthy enough, I mean like 90%, and he's putting up three touchdowns in a pick every game, like, that's, I'll take that because we certainly didn't get that in the beginning of the year. Um, moving over to the defense, Rick, I, I was interesting. We didn't get a lot of tackles for a loss. We didn't sack. I think we sacked Herbert once, but we got pressure on him and made him make uh, some some bad decisions and bad throws. And it does show that you don't always have to pressure the quarterback in order to play a, a good defensive uh, scheme. And that seemed to be the case this game. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I was actually, you know, fairly more impressed with our secondary uh, throughout this game. I, we've had some guys uh, kind of have to shuffle around. I was really impressed with Tristan Cooper. I thought he did a great job stepping in. Christian Young uh, at cornerback, I thought, did a really good job. But uh, anytime you have Colin Schooler and Derek Bowles and Jalen Harris getting into that backfield and disrupting it, uh, that Oregon offense is, is really kind of predicated on Justin Herbert being able to make the right read. Um, and, and be able to move the ball up the field quickly. And with them being able to be as disruptive as they were and cause him to get out of his element, that, that was the difference maker in this game. It, it really was. I think Colin Schooler um, should be an All-American, absolutely 100% double-digit tackles again. He did have um, a tackle and a half for a loss. Um, you know, we, we didn't really do too, too many. Uh, we, I think it was just uh, Tony Fields had the one sack on Justin Herbert. Um, but the defense was doing a really good job of, getting in there and, and, and knocking the ball loose. I mean, four total fumbles for this Oregon offense was uh, definitely a, a difference maker in this game as well. Four fumbles. That's insane. That's insane. Um, I, I'm so excited. Like I love when we're, when we're winning, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, as much as it, like, you know, complain and you watch these, we do the podcast even when we were like really depressed, but um, it's nice to, to get a win and to get that momentum. The one thing, so Rick, we're, we're in Tucson. We we get there for the Wildcat Walk. We were the first ones there. We were lined up hours before them. We actually showed up and the buses came at the right time. Um, the team just looked uninterested and small and uh, and just kind of like there wasn't a lot of energy in that team getting into the stadium. And, yeah, I know it's like a couple hours before. I understand that. But, like, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be this is going to be really, really bad. And we come out and just stomp on a ranked team in Tucson. Do you think that, Rick, we have enough momentum to get into this game against Colorado? Again, we have them at home. We're actually a four-point favorite against them. Do you think that this carries over into a second game? Well, so the to talk about the first part of, of, of what we were talking about as far as like the Wildcat walk, um, and then looking disinterested, I, I, I I'm not going to say like I 100% agree with you. That one of the things that definitely stood out was their size. They looked a lot smaller than a lot of football teams, Division One football teams that I've seen play in the past, especially at Arizona. Um, but uh, I, I think more so than anything, I think the Wildcat Walk is kind of a tradition that was kind of held over from Greg Burns' tenure as the athletic director, trying to get fans involved. 
Honestly, I think it might be a tradition that kind of needs to die. Like if the players aren't going, I mean, you can kind of see that they're kind of like, man, we got to walk all the way from these buses all the way to the locker room now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh no, like a two minute walk. <laughs> like, it's, like, I can't you, pretend. You know, and, like, <laughs> and, and like, I could understand if maybe there was a sea of 10,000 fans that they were running through to, or walking through to, to get pumped up, you know, but there's, you know, maybe like two, 300 people out to like cheer them on. The marching band kind of comes out a little bit like it's it's hokey. You know, it's it's neat to be able to see the players, but it's 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 more hokey than anything else. And, you know, if, if we're going to try and do something to get fans involved with the players before the game, I think that they need to kind of get back to the drawing board and come up with something that's a little bit more exciting. Um I always thought it'd be really cool. I, it's not going to, I don't think it's a tradition anymore at Arizona, but I always thought it'd be really cool for the players to do the Haka with the fans before the game. Um, you know, that, that always got me fired up back in the day when the Stoops teams did it, but, uh, you know, to each their own, uh, the second part of your question, uh, as far as whether or not this team gets up for Colorado, I fully agree that anytime you could beat a top 25 team at home, um, and you have another team coming in, uh, that is, is kind of on the ropes a little bit. I think that that momentum carries over into into the next week. I don't think that this is a, a letdown game by any stretch of the means because of the way Colorado's been playing. They gave up 24 points in the fourth quarter to lose that game. I like they're they're on the ropes and they're reeling. This that Colorado defense needs to figure things out and they need to figure it out fast because Montez isn't going to be able to carry them through the rest of this Pac-12 season like we were hoping he would. Yeah, especially without Chenault. I want to get the numbers here on this, Rob. So again, so if you're new to Wildcat Radio, or because I know we actually got an uptick in fans and listenership even before we beat Oregon, so shout, shouts to you for, for bearing with that UCLA game with us. Um, uh, so Rob runs the Beta Rank Advanced College Football Statistical Model, which you can find exclusively on Wildcat Radio, um, and it's really good. Like the, the numbers are, are quite compelling. And, but Rob, what are your numbers uh, saying about Arizona, did we make a jump? Where are we in relation to the rest of the Pac-12, et cetera, et cetera? So Arizona did make a jump, um, and they swapped. I mean, or, or Arizona jumped all the way up to 76, which they were in the 80s last week. Um, but they definitely swapped spots with Oregon. So Oregon now comes in as the ninth-ranked team in the Pac-12, and Oregon, Arizona now comes in at eight. Um, but the... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Arizona comes in at nine. Oregon's at ten. Um, but Arizona's with Colorado. Colorado came out and had a horrendous game last week. I mean, that not just on defense, but on offense in particular. Uh, and that sounds like a weird thing to say because they put up thirty some points. But Oregon State's defense came into that game as the very worst college football defense <laughs> in all of FBS. <laughs> um, so getting held. Uh, to three points in the second half by that defense is monumentally bad. Um, and this Colorado offense has been reeling without LaVisca Chanel. They are just, um, they're not the same team uh, without him on the field. Uh, and so if he's, if he's not playing, um, then Arizona has it more than a real shot uh, to win this game. Cause the model currently has, this as a toss up 50, 50, which if you would have said two weeks ago, uh, I think Colorado was up around an 80% shot to win this game. But with the way that their offense has been playing, Arizona's got a real shot in this game. Uh, and in particular, if Chenault is either not playing or not fully healthy, um, it could be a, it could be a very, you know, hard fought game there in Tucson, um, you know, with Arizona having a real shot to come out on top. He's listed as questionable LaVisca Chenault against Arizona. It's a toe injury. I thought it was a concussion protocol because he got whacked in the head by some player, and I, I forget what, what game it was, but I, I thought that was where it was. So, yeah, that would be it was bad. That, US, that USC game. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I'm sorry, like Arizona's defense made a big jump after the game, less so the offense because the offense had great field position and Oregon's defense isn't very good. But Oregon has good offense. Um, and Arizona's defense is all the way up to number 59 in the model right now. And that's really good. I mean, the, the, the model for the preseason model projected them at 99. They've been sort of bouncing around in the seventies and the eighties, most of the season. So to be at 59, this is, this is their high point so far in the season. Um, and you're really hoping that these, these young players can, can really continue to improve. Rick, let's talk game atmosphere here. Let's talk food. Let's talk food. You got to purchase your, your first beer. How was that? How was that experience? Um, I, I, it was good, I guess. 
<laughs> I, they, they had two sizes, right? You get a 16 ounce or a 24 ounce. The 24 ounce was eight bucks. Um, the 16 ounce was, uh, like six bucks. So not, not that bad of a jump. Obviously you want to go with the bigger beer every time. Um, inside the stadium, I had a hot dog and some French fries. That wasn't as good, but whatever. I thought that there was like a full turnover of food options at Arizona stadium. Not the case, not the case. I was able to get a Sonoran hot dog, which is all I wanted and more. And it was fine. It wasn't the best Sonoran hot dog I had, but they, they had them available and, and shouts to them. But man, that, that stadium is old. It's old, man. Like you got to bring in some, some more local things. Now, do we miss anything, Rick? I mean, we went to dirt bags before the game. So it, all things are possible. What? I, I missed, the, I missed a lot of stuff, man. I'm not going to lie. I had to watch the game on replay a little bit. I went to <laughs> dirtbags twice. I went to dirtbags twice. And then we ran into Stan on the mall, and he gave me more beer. So, you know, like, I, I did my best. I was falling asleep by the fourth quarter. I know, I know you didn't really notice, but I, uh, homecoming, homecoming won one over on me this year. I'm not afraid to admit. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay, okay. Um, Rob, where, where were your favorite uh, places of business in the greater Tucson metropolitan area. So uh, when I was when I was there, I I was actually working full time and going to school full time. Uh, so I did not have a lot of free time. <laughs> so when I was, there, I know, I know. I was going back to school. Don't do don't do drugs. Like don't do drugs. Um, yeah. So I was uh, I, I visited a lot of coffee shops. <laughs> Epic Cafe uh, was a great place to uh, study, drink coffee, and talk to some hipster girls. I suppose I don't really. I didn't really have like the, a, a lot of like great Tucson atmosphere, but, uh, I really, I mean, like the places I go when I go back now are, you know, Aguero Canelo for sure. Um, you know, and then, you know, almost any, any, you know, Mexican food place you can talk me into. Okay. Okay. Um, Josh's two recommendations to us were El Beto again, not Los Betos, El Beto and, <laughs> and, uh, this Mexican place in a gas station, like by Rita ranch. And, uh, the the gas station place was actually really good. Um, the the El Beto, Rick, your thoughts? It, it was it was just okay. I had a California burrito. They they did not skimp on the guac, which I was impressed by. Um, but I couldn't finish the whole thing. I had I had a hot dog and French fries and beer at the game, so I was only able to get about halfway through. Okay, let, hey, let's uh, let's take a moment here to talk about our sponsor, which is. Uh, mybookie.ag, mybookie. So watching football is fun. I'm really excited about this sponsorship, by the way, because uh, I tried it out. Actually, I took the Pepsi challenge, uh, and and you all should too. So watching football is fun, but get some skin in the game, guys. Get some skin in the game. We've been talking about this for two weeks now. If you're an expert or you're a rookie, you should be betting at mybookie.ag. Whether you're a guy, you know, if you want to win a little bit or you want to win a lot, you can get a sleazy parlay. Rick, the parlay is your your move, man. Um, you could turn a hundred dollars into six hundred dollars. What's what's your favorite approach to the the parleysies? Uh, take two or three that you know are going to win, and then take one that you hope is going to win because it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think the good thing about parlays is like you know you can bet a little to win a lot, and that's fun. So definitely check that out. There's a lot going on. You can bet off uh, playoff baseball is over, but basketball is coming up. We got college basketball coming up. Um, there's a huge UFC fight. Uh, uh, is it Cormier? Who, are you guys UFC fans? No. Cor- Cormier? 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 And Lewis? Sure. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you guys know. Josh should be on the podcast and he'll tell us. Um, so my bookie is the place to bet. Um, I recommend them because right now, by popular demand, they will offer a 100% bonus. And, and this is only happening for one more week. So, like, it, we talked about this last week. If you want to uh, put money into your MyBookie account, they will match it dollar for dollar. The minimum's $100, but you can put up to $1,000 in the account. They will match it dollar for dollar. And it's time to make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, you can kiss the bonus goodbye. You don't want to miss out on this. Um, I actually did it, and, and I've been, like, making some sleazy bets with Josh. Don't worry about whether or not we won or not, but we, 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 they were made, and it actually works. Uh, and make sure to follow my bookie uh, at, at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They uh, personally respond to every mention and uh, DM. That's, that's pretty cool. Do you even do that, Rick? Nope. 
100% do not have time for that. <laughs> uh, and they've given away nearly $10,000 in their social media to their followers this football season. So you'll be the first to know when the odds and props are posted. So log on to my bookie and don't miss out on the 100% bonus. It's real. It actually works. We tried it. Use the promo code WILDCAT and you will get your first deposit matched 100%, $100 minimum. Uh, use the promo code WILDCAT. You play, you win, and you get paid so uh so check it out and we will send out a link in our url to the to the special too so so definitely do that um let's get into some sleazy bets hey um can i get some pac-12 gambling advice up in here is william shatner you want it pac-12 gambling lines you got it nice you want it baby just bust a move okay all right, all right. We are back, and it is the sleazy bet time. If you're a part of Wildcat Radio, you bask in the glory that was the Arizona versus Oregon game. If you are a 12-pack radio fan, you bask in the glory that is Max Brown's delicious breakdowns of college football. And the sleazy bet segment is where we talk about the games that are coming up. And here's how we do it. We go earliest to latest. And we'll talk about the games that are coming up this week, and then we will break down the games that those participants had in the previous week. And Rick, how are you? How are you doing? Is, is mybookie.ag tearing you up, or are you uh, are you uh, bringing the house? No, I actually did pretty good this week. Yeah, it, I, you know, I, it was a, it was a rough start to the season for me, uh, but then I started kind of uh, figuring some things out. I added some uh, some sleazy math to Rob's. Uh, beta rankings and uh I'm, I'm back on top so you know i'm, I'm sitting at about 53 percent that's good season I'm, I'm doing good i yeah. think i think most of us went three and three but we are all except for ronnie who went one and five again we're freaking ronnie get it together man uh everybody that participated in the in the podcast is over 500 against the spread which is uh which is pretty good we're, we're tearing it up here let's talk the first game friday at 7 30 november 2nd on fox sports one colorado on the road at Arizona, if you're part of Wildcat Radio, we just talked about this uh, game a little bit, but we didn't talk about the spread. Um, Colorado freaking lost to Oregon State 41-34. to um, What a freaking mess. Colorado came out, I think it was 31-3, to and then just gave up point after point to Oregon State. It was a heck of a comeback. Rob, if you would have told me that Jake Luton was going to be slinging the ball around, I might have might have jumped on <laughs> Oregon State. I love Jake Luton. He is so fun. He was having some problems with his ankles, but man, he was back and brought the noise, and what a heck of a comeback from Colorado. This is a t- uh, from Oregon State, this was a 23-and-a-half-point dog that ended up winning the game in overtime. How did that game go? I mean, this was – this is a – there's no understating this. This was the biggest upset of the week, <laughs> like, in actually all of college football. Um, <clears throat> Oregon State in, in beta rank was a 31-point dog in this game, which is as as big as beta rank really will, will it will be willing to go uh, on, on making someone a dog, just a huge underdog in this game. Um, and I, when I was sort of like checking on what was going on uh, at halftime, I was like, all right, like Colorado's going to cover sweet. <laughs> I picked the buffs. Uh, and then Oregon state just came roaring back. Um, the uh, Jefferson had a good game. I mean, like you said, Jake Luton was just phenomenal. Uh, and really, he, he ended up being injured. And so Coletto had to come in to finish the game. But Jake Luton deserves the lion's share of the credit for that win. Um, but the, the more amazing story is that what, Colorado's offense just shut down in the second half against what had been grading out as the worst defense in all of college football. Um just, I mean, three points against Oregon State's uh, defense. And I think just about everyone in the Pac-12 um, who's had a chance to play the Beavers knows, like, if you want your offense to look good, like getting to play Oregon State's pretty good <laughs> for you. Uh, I mean, you can run the ball, you can throw the ball, you could do whatever you wanted. In that second half, Colorado could not do anything. Um, and it's not like they sort of um, pulled the starters and uh, – you know, like totally tried to turn off the gas or something like that. Like it was not a full David Shaw turtle, turtle, turtle head and the turtleneck collapse. Um, <laughs> it was just uh, mind blowing how bad they got. And I mean, it's if if you haven't been following, like people are actually talking about Mike McIntyre being on the hot seat, like like 
three weeks ago, Mike McIntyre is like the most beloved man in Boulder. And like his he, people are hot, like hot and mad after the last three weeks of Colorado football. <laughs> the crowd is a fickle mistress. Crowd of yeah. fickle mistress. Um, it was interesting because Oregon State didn't want to win the game at the end. Like they missed the <laughs> they missed the extra yeah. point. They're like, oh, no. And then I think Colorado missed the field goal. I actually watched the end of this uh, this game, uh, probably the third and fourth quarter while Rick was out uh, carousing at dirtbags. And uh, it, it was just, oh man, like you could just feel it. Like the stadium was going nuts. I, I think people understood that they were in the game. You had, uh, again, Luton slinging the ball around. Uh, you know, looking forward to this game, Colorado's a four point dog against Arizona. Rob, you know, you rock the beta rank numbers, which people should again check out wildcatradioaz.com has uh, the numbers for every single Pac-12 team, all the advanced metrics, and even they have win probabilities. So what what do your numbers, wh- where is Colorado and Arizona ranked uh, individually and what is the win probability? So in this game, Colorado comes in at number 74. Um, they have the number 93 offense, which isn't something you would have said three weeks ago. Uh, the number 53 defense, um, Arizona comes in at number 76, uh, 79 on offense, 59 on defense. Uh, the, um, the, this game is a true toss up in the model. Um, the model assigns 50% win probability to either Colorado or Arizona. Um, in that case with Colorado, you know, if I, if I can have, get four points and, and pick, pick Arizona, uh, I'm happy to do it, uh, in this game. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Arizona in this game. I, if, if LaVisca Chenault comes in and he's like fully healthy, like, uh, well, I may look stupid, but, uh, the way their offense is playing without him. Um, and even if he comes back and he's a little dinged up with his turf toe, like, uh, then I think Arizona's got a good shot. Yeah, and we broke down this game for about 25 minutes on Wildcat Radio. But Rick, um, for the for our 12 pack radio listeners, can you give a brief synopsis of, of what Arizona did to just stomp on Oregon? Because that was another surprise in the Pac-12 this uh, this week. Yeah, I, you know Arizona did a really great job of forcing turnovers. The defense was very disruptive. They caused Justin Herbert to uh, have to make decisions a lot quicker than he was probably used to. Um, and I mean, that front seven was just in the, in the backfield all, all game for Arizona. And, uh, they, they did a really tremendous job. Um, and then on, on offense, JJ Taylor went to work, uh, over 200 yards, uh, rushing for JJ Taylor. And, you know, now that we're looking at this, uh, this Colorado, Arizona matchup, Colorado allowed Jamar Jefferson to run 135 yards on, on the same number of carries 30, 30 carries that JJ Taylor had in this game. Um, and if you were to ask me like, what kind of production JJ Taylor would have compared to Jamar Jefferson? Should they get the same amount of carries? I'd say probably at least one and a half to two times more yards. Um, so, you know, I, things are setting up very nicely for Arizona to, uh, to win this game uh, pretty handily uh, based on the way that the uh, Colorado offense has collapsed. Um, so I'm going to take Arizona and, and give up the points. One thing to keep mentioning is that Khalil Tate came out in a boot for this game uh, off the bus, ended up starting the game, ran the ball. I think it was like four times. I'll have to go back and look, but it wasn't uh, a, it wasn't for a lot and it wasn't many times. Uh, three touchdowns, one interception. Didn't look good, like you mentioned, Rob, in the first half. The second half, he really kind of got his act together. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're a Colorado fan or if you're just kind of a neutral observer in this game, uh, it's it's still not Tate versus Colorado last year Tate. It, it's uh, Tate that's throwing the ball, that isn't running very much. Maybe he heals for this game, but I'm not certain if that's the case. Four points, I, I, I'll take Colorado. It, you know, I'm 35 and 19 against the spread this year, and I think I'm one and eight or whatever <laughs> against the spread with Arizona. I just cannot figure out this team. And I, I want to take Colorado for, for two reasons. The first is I am still uncertain about our offense uh, as an Arizona fan. I, uh, I want to see it a second time. I will, lo- I will be surprised, pleasantly surprised, if they, uh, if they put up 40 points against Colorado. I reserve the right to not uh, to switch my pick if LaVisca Chenault is back. He has an injured toe and is listed as questionable for this game. I think, like you mentioned, Rob, he changes their offense, right? Yeah, I mean, if their offense had been trending more towards the 30s nationally uh, with Chenault playing, and it's not that I think Chenault had their offense would have taken a hit given that USC game and probably in that Washington game, even if 
Chenault plays. Um, but where they're at right now is really more of a reflection of not having Chenault available. Um, and like teams are teams have really been able to make adjustments on this Colorado team, and they just have not had any answer. I mean, Chivarini, their offensive coordinator, just I don't know. I, I don't see it. So if he has Chenault available, then uh, like I said, like like you said, like I will switch my pick and take the Buffs uh, in this game because um, he's just a game changer for them. Yeah, and this game has gone from. Um, Arizona's going to get stomped. This is another loss to this is a competitive game where we're actually talking about like, oh, okay, the spread's like four. Well, that's reasonable. That is a huge, huge change between where we were a few weeks ago. But and, and part of that's because uh, Arizona has improved. And another part is it because uh, Colorado has regressed. So um, give me Colorado. Rick, Rick, you taking Arizona? Indeed. Okay. All right. And Rob, you're taking Colorado because you got the points, right? I wait. You you said Colorado was a, a favorite, correct? Uh, four point dog. Colorado's a dog. Oh yeah, I'll take Colorado then. Okay, it's, right. it's a toss up. It's a toss up game. You know, in a toss up game, if I get the points, I'll take the points. Yeah, this will, this will be an interesting. It's one of those. Uh, interesting games that won't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it'll be fun to watch. Moving on, we have Saturday, 1 p.m., November 3rd on the Pac-12 Network. Utah, a seven-point, uh, I'm sorry, seven-point favorite on the road at Arizona State. Utah freaking clown punched UCLA in Pasadena. They brought the noise 41 to 10, and holy goodness, this Utah team looks pretty good, right, Rick? Right, Bryant. Yeah, no, they looked really good. Um, you know, the, the transformation for this Utah offense, I think that that was something that, uh, you know, we were all kind of down on at the beginning of the season. Um, and they've really found their niche. And, uh, you know, it all starts with quarterback play and Tyler Huntley. So, uh, you know, hats off to them and hats off to Utah for just, like you said, they, there's no other way to describe it better than you described it. They clown punched UCLA. Um, and, you know, that, that UCLA team is, now one one game away from uh, not being bowl eligible this year, and uh, I know it's I know it's early in in a new coaching uh, change, uh, you know, with Chip Kelly, but uh, you, you know they got to really be questioning what's going on in Westwood and, and when they're going to be able to right the ship. Uh, you know, I I, I I was definitely of the opinion that there was too much talent on this UCLA team um, to have a, a good coach not be able to come in and, and get them on the right track. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been surprised by this year, um, you know, but the, I guess they have a lot of growing pains to go through, through. There's a reason why Jim Mora was fired. Utah's rushing attack against UCLA is exactly what it should have been, which is 325 yeah. yards and four friggin' touchdowns. <laughs> Zach Moss went nuts. It's funny, Rob. We had, um, you know, Max Brown on earlier and he mentioned that he was, he was thinking about doing film breakdown of this game. I'm like, nobody wants to <laughs> I wanted to say nobody wants to watch 15 minutes of uh, Zach Moss running all over UCLA. <laughs> of, like, of like poor Ricky Wade being double teamed all game, <laughs> and then everybody else on on UCLA just getting like bowled over as Zach Moss ran by. Wilton Spate went 50 uh, percent for two interceptions. He started this game and he was a mess. Um, yeah, God, I mean, like th- this was the bet of the week, and this was the biggest. This was my my bookie sleazy bets was <laughs> definitely on this game um ucla just is not there uh you know it's funny though like we keep talking about utah going back to its roots in terms of its run game but this is like the second or third game i think where a, a wide receiver or running back is throwing a touchdown i think britain cody <laughs> threw a touchdown in this game uh huntley was about 50 percent with an interception but um but it really didn't matter i mean they all they needed to do was run the ball right rob yeah, I mean, they ran the ball really effectively in this game. And that, I mean, anytime you can just run the ball, unless you have bad fumble luck, like you're going to win. You know, if you if you can run the ball and your defense is playing halfway good, like you're going to win that football game. And they, uh, they showed up and just really put down the gas pedal against UCLA. And it was, it was interesting to see because Utah does not look like a team that's going to take their starters out uh too early and uh rest on their laurels like they're gonna they're gonna keep punishing you uh, um, but uh I, I thought in this game there was a there was a really egregious targeting call in this game where uh utah safety um literally went headhunting at a sliding wilton spate and uh was justly kicked out of the game i'm shocked uh, I'm shocked that marquise blair was called for targeting shocked oh it was i mean they had some 
they had two hard tackles at the beginning of the game where the Utah players were leading with the crown of their head of their helmet. Um, and they, they, they could have reviewed it. And I think if they would have, they might've called targeting. You just don't usually see them call targeting that early, but, uh, that was, a that was the, that was hands down the worst, uh, targeting I've seen all season, even just, just because spade sliding and the guys <clears throat> Blair is adjusting downward to try to drill him with the crown of his head and the helmet. It was un- like if you could give out a three game suspension for targeting, like that would deserve it. It was, it was an awful, awful targeting. Yeah, and that Utah secondary is very good and Blair hits real hard. Um, and, you know, I, I say I'm shocked, but you know, I'm saying it facetiously, but I don't want it like that was awful, but I also don't want to downplay the fact that like, this is an excellent Utah defense we've been talking about oh, yeah. for a long time. Um, and particularly their secondary, everybody focuses oftentimes on the front seven that Utah has, but particularly the defensive line. It is a whole complete defense uh, this year. We'll talk about the Arizona State USC game when we talk about the next uh, couple games here. But Utah is a seven point favorite on the road at Arizona State. I like this Utah team a lot, but I actually, I kind of like Arizona State in this game. They're not bad and they're at home. And for Utah to keep the, the ball rolling over and over and over again, I mean, they've really had to run the gauntlet to get here and they have so far. I think at some point they slip up. I don't know if they lose this game i don't think they do but um seven points is a lot of points against a pretty competent asu team what do you think rick um i really think it's going to come down to coaching and i think kyle william is going to wipe the floor with herm edwards um i think that this is one of those letdown games for asu um it always seems that they go in you know and play usc really well and, and come out with a win and then drop a game or two after that so you know that's been the mo for this arizona state team for a number of years now and i don't really see them falling out of that uh, especially with a top 25 opponent coming into town so i i i think it's it, you know there's there's opportunity there for asu to to probably put up some points on this utah defense but i don't think it's going to be anywhere close to um them keeping it within that touchdown to to 10 point range so um, I'm going to end up taking taking Utah here. Rob, what does uh, Beta Rank have uh, these teams ranked, and what's the win probability? So the win probability uh, is 83.96, so oh, roughly 84% uh, in this game. Um, the Utes come in at number 11 uh, in the country right now. They took a big jump after uh, really whipping up on UCLA, but also that some of the teams they beat had good games too. So uh, some parts of Utah's schedule and, and the, the beta rank, those teams improved. Uh, so the Utes wins over them look better. Um, their offense comes in at 28. Their defense is at 21. Special teams at number nine. I mean, the Utes are just clicking right now. Um, Arizona State's at number 47. Uh, number 25 on offense. Um, so they do have a good offense. Uh, 80 on defense. Um, their defense has struggled all season. We've seen that. Uh, and 42 on special teams. So the Sun Devils have been pretty good on special teams, sort of unexpectedly with uh, Gonzalez gone. But uh, that they're it's roughly 13 and a half points in, in beta rank. Like I'll, I'll take Utah in this game. I, I think that they're going to be able to, uh, unless they turn the ball over two times, three times, like they should, they should win uh, and cover. The big game plan for this game is the UCLA game plan, right? Like just run the ball over and over and over again. I, I just don't, we, we talk about turnovers being able to, to bring underdogs like to a point where they're covering or they are uh, they're outright winning games. I just don't see a scenario where Tyler Huntley's throwing the ball more than 20 times. Right, Rob? No, I mean, they should be able to run the ball very effectively in this game. Um, and that's going to like, like we talked about, that's going to set them up for success. Uh, you know, so if Huntley is throwing the ball, he's going to be play action, um, you know, finding receivers, you know, in single coverage uh, with ASU, probably bringing down some safeties to try to slow down Utah's running game. Ah, 13 points on your model. Like, uh, I, I just think this is a letdown game. I, I don't, I, I actually, I can't give me saying this, but like Herm, Herm isn't half bad though. Like I, I really, 
sometimes the offensive play calling is a little weird. He's made some mistakes at the end of games, but for the most part, like he's calm. They have Danny Gonzalez. Uh, their offense, even if they're not calling the best plays, they still have Eno Benjamin. They still have Nikhil Harry. They still have Manny Wilkins and some good wide receivers. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a decent amount here, um, and the defense shows up. So I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take ASU. I, uh, I I want those seven points. Let's see. I think this will be a really good game. Uh, Rick, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, picking, uh, you know, and giving me an opportunity to get one game closer to taking your lead in uh, in the contest. Now, calm down over there. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> uh, all right, seven. Uh, let's see. Saturday at four thirty p.m. on Fox, UCLA is an eight and a half point favorite on the road at Oregon. Um, we we already talked about Arizona crushing Oregon here. Um, they did not show up. The defense did not show up. Justin Herbert looked terrible. Um, UCLA is also bad. So I'm curious, Rob, where where is Beta Rank have these teams ranked? So this again is a this is a true toss up in Beta Rank. What? Uh, this is eight, yeah. Oh, so this God. is 80, 84 Oregon against eighty five UCLA. Um, both of these teams have have better offenses. So Oregon comes in at fifty five, UCLA at fifty seven. Um, UCLA's defense is at eighty five. Oregon's at ninety one. Uh, and both have bad, bad special teams again, like Oregon's at 96 um, after after a really poor performance all around in Arizona, but especially uh, on special teams and on offense. Uh, and UCLA's at 107. Uh, so even with that, UCLA has a terrific kicker. Uh, a lot of their kick coverage and punt coverage, as, uh, as I actually saw in some of that Arizona game, just hasn't been great. Um, so this, this game, the, the model has not been high on Oregon. They, they've had two good games, uh, Stanford and Washington, uh, and then they just unperform underperformed basically against the rest of their schedule. So, um, the, the model looks at this and if Dorian Thompson Robinson's fully healthy, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know. You said UCLA is a favorite in this game. I'm sorry. UCLA is an eight and a half point underdog. That's hard. I mean, this Oregon team's hard to judge. They're just sort of up and down. Um, 50-50, though. I mean, I, I still think Oregon has more upside than than UCLA here. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson could be rusty. But the other side of this is, man, J.J. Taylor ran for 200 yards against this Oregon team, and that was not a fluke. Joshua Kelly, how many yards do you think he could get? <laughs> well, like 150? Yeah, I mean, it, and if Thompson Robinson plays, like they could be good. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I will, I will put eight and a half points. Oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll go with UCLA, but I reserve the right to change my mind. I'm just sort of hedging, thinking that Thompson Robinson comes back. Um, I mean, Herbert just had his worst, worst game. Um, I mean, they couldn't run the ball either. Like, let's not. Let's not take away from the fact that Oregon put out. I mean, Justin Herbert was their leading rusher in that game against Arizona, <laughs> oh which is hilarious to say against a defense like Arizona. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. I, this this game is a real tough one to get a read on. I'm gonna say burn the math witch. I'm gonna take uh, Oregon. <laughs> I, don't, I know it's a split game on your end, but uh, I just I think I'm overly high on Oregon. I think Hithliday would probably agree on that front, but. Uh, I just I, I think they come back. I don't trust this this uh, UCLA team. Um, they're on the road, like at Otson. Give me, I'll, I'll give those points. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. Justin Herbert, you know, when it's all said and done, he's he's projected as a first round pick in the NFL draft this year. And uh, you know, if you go on the road and you perform really poorly against the team that you probably should have uh, really worked over, um, and you come back and you're playing another team that you should probably really work over, you better step up in that second game. Otherwise, that first round draft pick starts to look like a lot less guaranteed money. Um, you know, so I, you know, I'm going to put it on Justin Herbert uh, as an athlete and uh, someone of uh, you know, high potential who will pull this out. And, uh, yeah, I don't like picking against that much of, uh, of Rob's model either, but, uh, 
this just seems like uh, an opportunity for Oregon to, to get things back on the road. I will like to say, I, I, I wanted to point out that I, I didn't run into like any super obnoxious Oregon fans in, in Tucson, which was nice. Um, anytime one of them, uh, you know, started talking to me, all, all we really had to do was agree that uh, they were really lucky that Willie Taggart was no longer in town. Saturday, 6 p.m., the Pac-12 Network. We already broke this game down with Mr. Max Brown. It is Washington uh, is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Stanford. But what we didn't talk about is the the rock fight that was Washington and Cal. Washington lost 12 to 10. And Cal, this was this reminds me of like the Arizona game where it was the Arizona-Cal game. Cal's the worst where uh, Arizona got a last-minute uh touchdown on an interception at the end of the game and win the game um cal's defense scored more points than its offense did in this game and it still only scored 12 points y'all uh <laughs> did anybody watch this game uh i watched i watched these parts of the second half when i was horrified to see the jakes both jakes because jake browning got pulled both jakes playing badly that's insane that they they benched him i mean like he was awful and there is there's a little bit of disgruntlement among the uh, masses there in Washington. I know that pulling pulling the good Jake and then putting in the bad Jake and then the bad Jake throws the pick and then the good Jake comes back in. But man, like Cal's Cal's uh, defense is good. I just assumed that Washington could at least score a few points. Miles Gaskin is still hurt. Um, but man, this Washington program's in a little bit of trouble. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I don't know if you can uh, point to a team in college football this year and say that there's any team that's disappointed more than Washington at this point. I would point to USC. Um, I'm going to point to USC. <laughs> uh, I, but I mean, but we weren't talking about USC as a Final Four contender at the beginning of the season, that's whereas right. Washington, you know, we fully expected them to be the one team capable of representing the Pac-12 in the college football playoff this year. Um, you know, we we were really high on them coming in the season. They had that opening game against Auburn that we were like, if they can just get past that, you know, the, you know, they're, they're going to be playing for, for a national championship. Um, and now here we are, we're, we're talking about them losing to Cal, um, in week nine. So, you know, it's, I don't think that they've, there's been teams with as much as high of expect as high of expectations that's fallen off more than Washington this year. Um, and, and it all starts with that offense. I mean, we thought that that offense was going to be plenty capable behind Jake Browning. They were going to be able to put up a lot of points on, on these pac 12 defenses. Um, and that just hasn't been the case. So, you know, if they're going to write that ship this year, um, it's all going to start with, with quarterback play. This game was so insane, Rob, when you take a look at it, I mean, so Cal had, I think it was like 11 tackles for a loss. And if you were to tell me that they would have been able to pressure, I'm sorry, Washington had 11 tackles for a loss. If you were to tell me that they would have that type of outing to pressure Chase Garbers or Brandon McIlwain or, or <laughs> Ross Bowers under a bridge, wherever he is right now. Um, yeah. And the fact that they would have held Cal to 12 points, I would have said, oh, man, that, that game was probably like they would have covered the spread. They lose. I mean, it, it's interesting because Selvan Ahmed is I don't know if he's out, but like eight carries for a negative two yards. Like he's certainly banged up. He was banged up last game and the game before that, uh, the, uh, miles Gaskin did not play in this game. And man, like I, I know we had talked with Max Brown about these wide receivers. I think that Ty Jones is good. I am ambivalent on all the other wide receivers. And if you don't have <laughs> the talent, like how do they move the ball? I know Stanford isn't great, but, um, man, like, well, I'm curious what um, who who would you take? Like nine and a half points is a lot of points for me uh, no, to give, right? No, give me give me Stanford with that. <clears throat> I mean, Washington is a favorite in the model, so there's 69 percent win probability. That's roughly like six ish points. Um, <clears throat> it's not nine. Uh, I mean, you have to get Washington has to win to get to nine. You have to win by two possessions. I just don't think that Washington is two possessions better than Stanford right now, and I don't think that. The things that you can do to really embarrass Stanford, um, I just don't know that Washington can really do them right now. I mean, I, they don't really um, have the pass rush to get to Costello. Um, and you're right. I mean, this this offense, and I say this, like, this is going to sound like a real harsh thing to say, but, I mean, after their playoff year, so the last three years, is there a less impressive good team than Washington? Um, they just 
they never they never really come out and just like blow you away even though everyone's always like yeah washington's pretty good um and this year like they're 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 pretty good but i mean that game that they had against cal was unspeakably bad and um a lot of that is uh, i mean let's not take it like kudos to justin wilcox tim DeRoyter. um this cal defense uh jumped all the way up to number 17 in the country in beta rank like this cal defense is insanely good and if you would have told me that in two years from sunny dykes who was a brilliant offensive mind but just couldn't get it together on defense and cal at cal that they would be ranked in the top 20 in defense like i would have told you that you were on some really good drugs because but like it's happened like they they have put together a phenomenal defense um and they've shut a lot of people down but they had not really shut anyone down whose offense is good as washington now i don't think stanford um has the kind of defense that cal does and has the kind of defensive game planning that cal does but they do have a debo and that can pretty much nix out washington's best receiver um and then you start asking, like, can are you sure Washington can show up and run the ball? Are you sure you trust the other receivers? Do you trust Jake Browning to get you to nine points if Adebo's nixed out Washington's best receiver? And I, I don't uh, at all. I'm, I'm with you. The, and I'm, I'm going to take the point. So give me Stanford nine and a half. My one worry is that Stanford will not be able to run the ball at all against yeah. this Washington. Oh, I don't think that. They're going to have to throw it, and Stanford's second best play is pass interference. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I mean, Ben Burkirvan is a bad, bad man. Like he is yeah. awesome, and uh, I, I, I will enjoy watching every minute of him stuffing, you know, Cameron Scarlett or whoever the hell he put up behind that that bad offensive uh, run blocking scheme there at Stanford. So, but I'll still take Stanford. I'll still take the points. Rick, who are you taking? Yeah, I so I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm really concerned about Washington's offense and their ability to uh to really run the score up at all. So I'm gonna go ahead and take those points that Stanford's given up. I would just like to point out too that Rob has now mentioned drugs twice during the podcast. I think we need to start a drug jar for you, man. Every time you mention <laughs> it, you put a dollar in. <laughs> this is a family podcast. I apologize. <laughs> there you go. Uh Saturday, seven PM Fox Sports One. USC is a fourteen point 14-point favorite on the road at Oregon State. I think this line is insane. Like, 14, that's it? That's all you're going to give me uh, uh, to uh, to take USC, man? Like, ooh. I, uh, I, but I'm curious, Rob. I mean, obviously, USC is a mess. We'll talk about them uh, losing to USC in just a sec. But what do your numbers say in this game? So US, USC is a 90, 91% win probability in this game. Um they're roughly an 18-point favorite um, coming in. So the model likes the Trojans quite a bit here, <laughs> clearly, even as bad as uh, they have played, and they have played very poorly. Their defense is trending down with Gustin out. They had Cam Smith out last week as well. Um, you know, this is a this is a team that, I mean, they, you almost, w- if you were them, you wished your bye week was now because um, they could really use a break to get some guys back off injury JT Daniels was out. I would argue that they almost play better without JT Daniels in. Yep. Um, <laughs> but they, they haven't been able to run the ball. They USC is not just a mess. I mean, Clay Helton just took over play calling duties. Um, they just fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, their offensive line coach. Um, it's likely T Martin's done at the end of the season at this point. I mean, this team is in serious free fall. Um, that said, Oregon State. Yes, they have. That is a awesome, good for the Beavers. Like this is this is what they did was unbelievable against Colorado. Um, but I I still think that this defense is really bad, and I think that even USC is going to show up and be able to put up points. And um, I do, I still think USC's defense is decent, and uh, I, I think the Beavers could have a, a tougher time in this game. If this was a game against Cal or Arizona or UCLA, and it was fourteen points coming off of that loss to ASU. I'd take the opposing team rather than uh, USC, but holy goodness, like for you give me 14 points against Oregon state. I'll, sure. Whatever. Like <laughs> if it was 20, I might still take USC. I just, uh, I, I don't see a scenario like th- th- this Oregon state team is going to make Steven Carr look good. Like, I think that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
You know, USC did lose on uh, at home uh, against ASU. That was a fun game, by the way. I had a really good time watching that. Rob, did you get a chance to catch any of that game? I did uh, have a chance to catch a lot of that game, and it was uh, it was back and forth. And um, yeah, I was I was pretty happy. I mean, the model had said it was going to be a toss up game, and it was pretty much a toss up game uh, all the way to the end. Um, and uh, as much as I criticized, and we criticized, like what is Nikhil Harry back there doing, punt, returning punts? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Punt for touchdown. So like, you know, sometimes. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards makes good decisions that uh, I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought when he took that back. Like, ah, oh, we talked about that like two weeks ago. Man. It was so stupid. He also had a nasty, nasty catch too, like one of those oh, yeah. NFL style, like go up and grab the ball with one hand. He is such a good player. Um, Eno Benjamin had a heck of a game, 185 yards, two touchdowns. They were ASU, obviously able to run the ball against USC. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is, uh, I would be frightened if I were a USC fan. Because uh, he is quite good, Oregon State's running back. I agree with you. I thought Jack Sears was not great, but like I thought, I'm not. A, I thought JT Barrett. I've never seen more hype for a quarterback that wasn't good than all of the promos that they would run every single week on uh, JT uh, J- JT Barrett, JT Daniels, <laughs> a much different quarterback. <laughs> uh, it's getting late, um, but I do think Sears like. Rick, would you start Steers uh, over Daniels this week? Absolutely, yeah. And I think I think that Sears actually, uh, you know, all things considered, really played a heck of a game. Uh, there was a clip that went viral on Twitter of Herm Edwards um, coming over after the game and, and talking about how, uh, you know, he played his tail off. And I agree. Um, you know, it, it was fun watching the game. Uh, I was with Josh. We were at no anchovies, um, and we were rooting for ASU, which, which was weird. I think that's the first time I've ever – uh, you know, rooted for ASU inside of a Tucson bar. Uh, we didn't get any dirty looks or anything. It was mostly Oregon fans around. I think they were all kind of rooting for ASU too. So, uh, but as far as like this USC Oregon State matchup is concerned, Bryant, we're on opposite ends of the coin, man. Woo! I know, I know, I know you got beavered. I know you got beavered this week. <laughs> um, so, so I know that you're uh, you're probably a little biased right now. Um, but I think that I agree. I, I agree with everything that Rob said about this USC team and the distractions that they have right now. Um, this quarterback controversy being just another one that you can throw into the pot. Um, it's a team in free fall. One of the strangest decisions that I think has ever been made in college football is the decision to hire Clay Helton as the head coach at USC. Um, and I, I have to keep on believing that uh, this tenure is going to be short and sweet. Um, and I think that this might be a game that gets them to that point. I, I, Oregon State's coming off of that, that dirty, dirty comeback win in Colorado. It's in Corvallis. Things get weird. It's it's seven o'clock at night, Mountain Standard Time. It's going to be dark out. Pack twelve after dark. I'm rolling with the Beavers, man. I might even sprinkle a little bit on the money line. <laughs> shut up, oh, shut up. Just for grins. <laughs> like, Just for was, grins. I, I was at that game, that crazy game after Mike Stoops got fired, where Arizona just came out and like just beat the pants off UCLA. Like rolled out the double flex eagle defense that they had installed on the bye week. Like. I just feel like this UC, USC team actually comes out fighting for their coach. Like, like they're every team that gets into this kind of trouble, like they at least have one game where they like try to play better, and this is a good team to play better against. Oh my gosh! If <laughs> I, I wanted to sprinkle money on Stanford beating Washington, but no way on God's green earth am I taking USC. <laughs> but hey, man, they, you, you know, you got to bet big to win big. So, uh, no. all right, all right. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, last game, 745. Holy good. 7 friggin' 45 uh, p.m. on ESPN. That's Pacific time, by the way. That's 1045 if you're on the East Coast. Uh, on ESPN, Cal is a 10.5 point dog on the road at Washington State. Washington State, man, like fun game, 41-38. Knocks off Stanford. Keeps, the, keeps it going. This was this was a crazy game. I mean, lots of offense. You had both KJ Costello uh, and Garter Minshew just throwing bombs all over the field. Rob, what did what caught your eye in this game? Oh, this game was a blast uh, to watch. I mean, Washington State had a terrible first half. I mean, by their standards, terrible first half. And you did kind of worry that Stanford was going to, you know, pull a David Shaw in the second half. <laughs> they, they did somewhat. Um, 
but uh, Washington State's defense was able to make you know the required adjustments, I guess you could say, to slow down Stanford, um, and then they were able to really turn it on. Uh, and it's just it's hard to slow down. I mean, uh, they they have so many good wide receivers on this team, um, and Minshew gets the ball out so quick, and that was really critical um, because Stanford was getting pressure on him uh, in the first half, and um, he was getting the ball out more quickly in the second half. Um, they were also doing a little better job of dealing with. Stanford's rush uh, in the game. Um, but I mean, Minshew dug deep. And if, if, if you don't have Minshew in your, your Heisman conversation, then uh, I don't know what's the point of having a Heisman conversation. Cause he's had that kind of year. Um, this is the, they're back up. I mean, they've dropped all the way to number four, but they're back up to number three offense in the land. Um, I mean, they're just clicking uh, with him at signal caller. I'm actually super excited to see them go against this number 17 Cal defense. Like the rest of the game may be damn near unwatchable. Like watching <laughs> Cal's offense is tra- there's just a travesty on wheels, but um, like watching Minshew go up against uh, Cal's defense and, and really some two guys that have shown that they can really game plan and, and DeRoyter and Wilcox. Like I'm excited for this, but uh, yeah, like, if you didn't watch that Stanford, I mean, it was on Pac-12 Network. <laughs> like, I can't believe they put Washington State and Stanford on Pac-12 Network. But that's where it was. Um, so most of the country didn't see it, but great game. Gardner Minshew, 40 completions on 50 attempts, three touchdowns. He hit his first 19 passes coming into the second half. Like, this is... He is awesome and so fun to watch. And I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, the fact that Tay Martin is only at five catches for 13 yards. Tay Martin is awesome. That's how many good wide receivers they have on this team where you have like Desmond Payton and like all these players getting like mad uh, catches in addition to Martin. So obviously the Mike Leach offense, you spread the ball around, but like th- this is a stacked offense and it is so fun to watch. Um, Ten and a half points, Rick. What do you think? So, I, I mean, Rob kind of stole my talking point, and that is that at this point, if I'm voting for Heisman, uh, Gardner Minshew is absolutely in the conversation for me. 71% completion percentage so far this year, uh, just shy of 3,200 yards passing already, um, you know, with, with four games left to play. He's going to eclipse 4,500 yards easy, in my opinion. 26 touchdown passes, like, uh, you know, if, if you were to have told me at the beginning of the season that of all of the quarterbacks that we thought were going to have phenomenal years in the Pac-12, that the guy who was going to come out above the rest was a guy whose name sounded like it belonged in a mushu pork salad. Um, I, I, I would have definitely had to question that a little bit. But if you would have told me his coach was Mike Leach, that definitely would have got me a little bit more on board. I can't think of anything more fun than watching Larry Scott have to hand Mike Leach a Pac-12 championship trophy um, in the fall. And so that dream is what's going to continue to propel me to choose Washington State week after week. Uh, I don't think that this Cal defense can do anything to stop the Minshew. Um, and I'm going to take Washington State and give up the points. Keep the dream alive, man. I'm, I'm continue to ride. Uh, I think... I want to say Washington State is 8-0 against the spread. Like, they they are just getting it done. Give it to me again. I know Cal has a good defense, but they ain't seen Gardner Minshew in this offense. I think they, they roll and, and keep the ball going. Rob, what uh, what's the win probability here on Beta Rank? It's uh, 89.92, so 90%. Uh, it's about a 16-point favorite for favor for Washington State in this game. Um, I really do. I, I like Washington State. I, I said Cal has a good defense. They do, but Washington State puts pressure on you in different ways. Um, are we good? You know how good is how good is your nickel and dime back? Um, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, Cal's strength of their defense is really in their linebackers. I don't know if Cal could keep both of them on the field for most of the game against Washington State. Um, so I, 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 and Washington State should have very good field position in this game because Cal's offense is uh, basically, you know, it's it's a eunuch at this point. It's totally ineffective. So give me give me Washington State. 
All right, comparing teams to Unix. I like it. I like where your head's at. Let's let's get let's get creative here. <laughs> All right, Rick, we said we could out, get you out of here by 9:30 on time under budget. Thanks everybody for listening. Tune in, follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ or at 12 Pack Radio at 12 PAC Radio. Thanks to Max Brown for joining the podcast and uh we will have our contest updates on the website Wildcat Radio AZ. We just have to get all of the results in. Sorry we didn't announce them this time, but um, I'm sure it gives Rick much relief so he doesn't have to listen to the the uh, Hunger Games theme song one more time. So uh, thanks, guys, for coming on, and we will catch you all next week.